Taking Pastor Bo with me everywhere I go and let him be my hot man. I mean, my Lord, I want to hear what I got to say after that. The Lord is good, is he not? Listen, as I was worshiping, I just got to release this. I was, uh, I was standing there worshiping, and I got a word for Carol. Um, and the word for Carol is just that the Lord knows you're going through a lot right now, and he wants you to know that he's with you. Um, and so before I asked, I, I said this, I asked permission, and Pastor Clinton said, he said, hey, listen, he said, Carol lost her mom. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. How many will agree uh, with me to, to partner and pray for Carol and what she's going through, amen, to believe that God's going to do something in her life? How many believe God's going to do something this morning here in Bolivar? You ready? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, you go to Mark chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I want, us to, uh, I want to just give honor to, uh, to Pastor Clinton here. He has been such an incredible host, Pastor Bo and all the team. Uh, you guys have something special, and I hope you recognize that. Uh, God is doing something amazing here in Bolivar, and, it's, and as well as the other campuses and the kingdom of God is spreading to this region through what you guys are doing to be faithful to King Jesus. And it's really incredible to see. Incredible to see. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 35. If you are there, say amen. amen. If you are not, say look at the screen. Verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Look at your neighbor and say, the other side. It says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. It says, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. You ever felt like Jesus was asleep while you're suffering? It says, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I believe in the next few moments that we're going to learn that the storm that was sent to sink you will actually sink you with his kingdom. In other words, instead of taking you down, it's going to connect you with his heart. And I believe that's going to happen. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you do what only you can do this morning. I believe that miracles are going to happen in this place. Lord, I pray that if I say anything in and of myself, you guard the people's hearts. But if what I say is from you, let it find good ground to bring forth a kingdom harvest. In Jesus' mighty and strong name. And everybody says amen, amen and amen. So I'm reading this, and uh, just to be transparent, I was praying. I said, God, what do you want me to share? There's, there's different things I can share, and I narrowed it down to really two topics. And one was called launch, which was about them launching out into the deep and, and all of that. And I, and I felt the Lord say, no, they've already launched. This is about they're in transition. They're in transition from where they were to where they're going, and the transition can feel awkward sometimes, amen? How many know transition can be awkward sometimes in your life? You might know what I'm talking about. How many remember being teenagers? You might remember how awkward that was? That was an awkward stage for all of us, I believe. And I remember the thing about being a teenager is that you grew, and you grew rapidly. And when you grow really rapidly, you get uncoordinated sometimes, how many of you ever seen the real tall, lanky kid that can't hardly walk with their walk straight because they're so uncoordinated? That happens in a church life. 
In other words, because of what God is doing here, there's going to be some awkward moments because the growth is so rapid and it's happening so fast and you're in transition that it can sometimes feel like it's uncoordinated. It can feel like, baby, we didn't have this all together or that all together, but that's a part of the bumps and bruises of growing. Your systems will catch up with where you are, but you got to keep growing. And I believe that the Lord wants you to know this morning here in Bolivar that God has got something on the other side of your storm. God's got something on the other side of your struggle, on the other side of what you've been walking through. How many believe God's got something on the other side? Do you believe that this morning? Amen? All right. Well, this is what I want to share, is that in the process of our life, in the process of transitioning, sometimes we think when we enter the kingdom of God, it's going to be gumdrops and lollipops. We think it's just going to be easy. We think that Jesus is like this cosmic wizard that's just going to grant all of our wishes and, and do all of these things. But, but in reality, Jesus said, if you follow after me, you're going to endure persecution. He said, if you follow after me, you're going to have hardship. How many will testify that you've had some hardships in your life this morning? You've been through some things. And so in the process of following Jesus, you face some things. But the good thing is that he is always with us. How many can say he's been with you every step of the way, every step in the steps of this church and in the steps of your life? The thing about this story that intrigued me, though, was that Jesus was sleeping while they were suffering. The storm was raging, and it felt like they were sinking. And I, and I believe sometimes we can mistake Jesus' silence as absence. In other words, we think because he's not speaking so clearly to us that he's not with us. But don't lose heart because he promised in his word, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So even though it may be a silent season, it is not an absent season. Even though it feels like, man, I feel so disconnected, you can know that he's right there with you every step of the way. But they were, they were riding in this boat. But I want to offer to you this morning that they weren't really riding on a boat. They were riding on a word. Because Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. How many know if Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side? Amen. And so he said, we're going to the other side. And so in the process of this, I can imagine they're saying, he said we're supposed to go over there. And sometimes in life it feels like God led me into this storm. Like, like God, I'm trying to do everything you asked me to do. Why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard? Like, why is it that I'm trying to be faithful? And in the midst of trying to be faithful, like, like, like I'm facing all of this opposition. Why, why does it feel like I'm trying to be faithful and my bank is overdrafting? Why does it feel like I'm trying to be faithful and my kids are acting a fool? Why, why am I trying to be faithful and my spirit? Spouse, I'm about to choke them out, Jesus. I'm about to take them out. I'm about to kill them and tell somebody they died. Like, like, I'm about to do this, Lord. You need to help me. You're in the process of following after him. For the front row, just understand that spit is anointed, so you may get healed by it today. Just don't be afraid of it. <laughs> don't wipe it off. But, but it's, it's in the process that sometimes we lose sight of his presence. And sometimes we, we get our eyes on the situations and we let our frustration overcome our faith. And we no longer are trusting him for the destination. But, but the thing about God is God can't lie. Like, he can't lie. He can't. For instance, if he said that, that there was not just unicorn, there were unicows. If cows had horns just on the middle of its head, that wouldn't be a lie because the moment he said it, when he spoke it, all of a sudden horns would sprout out in the middle of a cow's head. If he said, that, if he said that, that Antarctica had the greatest beaches 
on the globe, all of a sudden you would see palm trees popping up in Antarctica because he can't lie, he's God. And you see, when he created everything, he spoke it into existence. So he would say, let the firmament arise, let the, let the seas divide, and, and trees please. And, and he just spoke it into existence. Let there, let there be birds, let there be horses, let there be an incredible specimen I'll put on the earth named Jason. Like He spoke everything into the, into the earth into existence the creative power of his word doesn't change so if god said that your family's going to be saved your family's going to be saved they just may not know it yet if god said i've sent my word to heal you his word doesn't return void and he's going to heal you if, if he said that your, your friend or your family member that's going to come out of addiction, they're going to be set free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. They're going to come out of addiction and be set free. If he said that you'll have peace that surpasses all understanding, that means that you will have peace in the middle of situations that doesn't make any sense because his word is true. It is yes and amen. How many believe in this place that God's word is true, that if he said it, he'll do it? Amen? His word it's true, but sometimes we, we don't really believe that. We don't believe and take him at his word. But in the story, he said, we're getting to the other side. I just want to declare over the hill that God is going to get you to the other side. That God is going to get you to the place that you're not understaffed and overworked. That there's abundance in the finances. That there's facilities that you need for the kingdom harvest that he's sending. That, that he sends laborers for the harvest. That the family members in this church are going to be blessed. Because the way God blesses his house is he blesses your house. And so he wants to bless your house so you can bless the house of God where you worship. But you've got to believe it. You've got to hold on to that word in the dark night of the soul. Because a time will come when it feels far-fetched and it feels like a fairy tale and it feels like, God, how are you ever going to do this? You feel the storms just closing in on you and the waves crashing around you and it's hard to remember what he said in the midst of the panic and the frustration. But when we look at this story, I also want to offer to you that this story, we make it about a boat about to sink. But this, this story is really not about what's getting in the boat. This story is about what's in the boat getting out into the storm. And notice what happens is Jesus stands up and he releases peace into the storm. But he's, he released what he had. Understand this. You can't speak to storms you can't sleep in. Jesus stood up in the middle of the storm with total peace. And he said, peace be still. You can't give what you don't have. Peace be still. You see, you are carriers of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is housed inside you. Jesus said in the gospel of Luke, the kingdom of God is within you. So we carry and house the kingdom of God. That means wherever we go, we should change the atmosphere. Look at your neighbor and go, hey, neighbor. Come on, do it like you mean it. Say it like you lock them. Hey, neighbor. You are a thermostat, not a thermometer. Look at your other neighbor and go, hey, neighbor. Sorry, you're plan B. But you set atmospheres. 
Like, I want you to understand you are a thermostat, not a thermometer. You don't just tell the temperature of a room. You walk into the room and you change the atmosphere of the room. You may work in a workplace where there's a toxic environment. Don't just go around and complain about the environment. Be the change that you want to see. Step into it and say, it's time to shift the atmosphere. Release the kingdom of God. Release the glory of God. Release the goodness of God in that atmosphere. And watch what Lord will begin to do. You see, when you start loving people that are unlovable and you start caring for people that don't give a rip about you, all of a sudden you start seeing the kingdom expressed. And anywhere the kingdom is expressed, the kingdom will expand. You know, I want to have leak in my life. What I mean by that is I want to walk with so much anointing and glory and presence on my life that when I walk by people, they feel the presence of Jesus. That when I walk into a store and I, walk, I want to be like the apostles in the book of Acts, that people are trying to get in my shadow, take it and just be healed. I always want to do that in a service. I always used to see back in the day that Benny Hinn, he'd do that and all these people would fall down. And so I'd do it and they'd just stare at me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a fly in here or something. <laughs> take it. Take it. Pick him up. But it's, it's one of those things. I want the glory just to leak from my life. Because there's so much overflow in me that it can't help but get on others. It's, it's amazing what happens when, when you go to your home. And, and listen, we can, we can act good in public. We can, we can be on when we're in public. You know, we can be at, at church. You know how it is. Y'all fighting the whole way here. You pull in the parking lot. Hey, how you doing? A blessed and highly favored of the Lord. How are you doing? It's such a glorious day. Yes, it is. You go by around the corner. Ain't nobody there. You better act right, kid. You understand me? I'm going to get my... I'll maybe take my belt off. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? Or, 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 or the spouse. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, this is the way it is in my house. My wife gets up. She gets all the kids' clothes ready for them. She gets my clothes ready. I'm spoiled. I know. Hashtag blessed. And, and she gets everything ready. And she's been up since before daylight. And, and, and I, I, I turn over about the time and, and kind of snore for a moment. As she's ironing clothes and getting everything ready. And, and then I get up, I get a shower, I put on my clothes that she got ready. And I'm like, are you running late? What's taking so long? We're going to be late, honey. We got to go. And she's like, I will cut you. <laughs> See, my wife is part Proverbs 31, part Tupac. Like, <laughs> you never know which one you're going to get, so you try to be good. <laughs> so, so, but if you want to start seeing the world change, start in your home. Because how many know we act good and patient with people in the world, and then we go home and we fly off on our kids, and we, we get frustrated with our spouse. And, but imagine if we said, I'm going to make my home the place that God has planted me, the most godly anointed. I'm going to be the most kind and the most loving and the most gracious. I'm going to be more gracious to my family than I am to anybody else instead of the roles being reversed. And I'm going to establish an atmosphere for his glory because it's about what's in us getting into what's around us, not about what's around us getting into us. You see, I grew up in a holiness background. Anybody ever been to a holiness church? Like, nobody? Y'all are blessed. Um, holiness church... Like, how do I describe this? Like, our, our, our ladies could only wear dresses to their ankles. They didn't wear makeup. They couldn't cut their hair. We didn't cast out demons. We just showed them our women. Like, you know, it's like, whew. I'm kidding, y'all. Kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> 
Oh, God, I'm leaving right as I say amen today, Pastor. But, like, but I was also like, when I would go swim, we didn't believe in mixed bathing. I don't know where they got the bathing part with nobody washing. Like, we couldn't go swimming together with girls. And so, and when we went, I had to wear sweatpants. Y'all, I was a little fat kid with a mullet with sweatpants on in the lake. Do you know what that does? I've been to counseling, and it helped. Like PTSD, like it was horrible. Like, like this little fat kid running, and I get in the water, and I'm waterlogged, and I'm like drowning, and I'm praying to Jesus, walk on water and save me, Lord. Like it was horrible, but, but we focus so much on keeping the world outside of us that we never were told what's in us has got to get into the world. In other words, we were so focused on, like, y'all, everything was sin. Going to the movies was sin. Like, I remember going to watch The Lion King as a kid. And I was afraid while watching Mufasa that Judah was going to come and, like, rapture everybody. I'd be left behind. Like, I couldn't even, if it made you grin, it must be sin. That was our philosophy. We don't smoke. We don't chew. We don't hang out with those that do. That, we had all of that. I had so many one-liners, it's just ridiculous. But we were so focused on insulating ourselves from the world, almost like we were afraid of the world. And listen, I believe in morality. I believe in, in that holiness. But holiness is, is not just morality. Holiness is perfect love. If I love God, I'm not going to sin against God. If I love you, I'm not going to sin against you. If I love myself, I won't sin against my own body. So perfect love, that's why Jesus said the greatest command, I give you love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because that's what holiness looks like. But for me, it was more sin consciousness than it was God consciousness. It was worldly consciousness versus heavenly consciousness. You see, Jesus didn't react to what was going on around him. It says he only did what he saw the Father doing. So he didn't react to the world, he responded to heaven. So in other words, he was more conscious of what was going on in heaven than what was going on in the earth. And he could change the earth because he was living from the culture of heaven. But we don't do that often. We got a guy in my church and he used to... You ever met somebody that's like prophetic, but then they're like really prophetic? You know what I'm talking about? Like really prophetic? Like, like sees Jesus and everything? Like do you see that cloud? Jesus. Like, like, spills his alphabet cereal and, like, sees prophetic tongues in the letters on the table. Like, sees everything. I love him. He's about 70% right. But this is what he said. He came in one day and says, Pastor, he says, there's a witch in the church. And I said, oh, God. Okay. He goes, no, there's a witch. We got to do something. I was like, we're fine. He's like, no, no, we got to do something. I said, no, we're good. He says, Pastor, it's a witch. A high-ranking witch. And I said, bro, there's almost a thousand of us here today full of the Holy Spirit. And if we have to worry about one witch that shows up, we're serving the wrong God. Like, how many greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? So we, we don't have to live in fear of the world. We've got to live in faith to Jesus and then change the world around us by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we live. We got we to gotta get what's in us around us so we can see the world changed. But this faith that we have, this faith is not really a what question. Oftentimes we think, well, will I be healed? 
Will I prosper? Will it be blessed? Will this happen? And, and we say, like, have faith. You know, have a positive mindset. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, just got to believe. Got to believe. Faith is not just believing the what. Faith is believing the who. So, in other words, if you say, well, I'm going to believe. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. That's not faith. That's positive thinking. That's laws of attraction. That's, and I don't believe in a positive mindset. However you think in your heart, so you are. I get that. But faith is not grounded in the what. Faith is grounded in the who. Lester Sumrall, a, a general of the faith, said this. He said, faith is simply knowing God. So I can have faith. It's not the what, it's the who. If Jesus said he'll heal me, I believe in his character and his witness and his nature that he is not a man that he should lie, that he will do what he said. But, but in this text, you see, they begin to question his character. They said, does he not care that we perish? You ever been in a storm and feel like God doesn't care? Or why aren't you coming through the way I thought you would come through? And, and again, we mistake his silence for absence. And where are you at, God? And, and this is the same question that the enemy began to ask Adam and Eve in the garden. Did he really say that? You see, he doesn't want you, he, he doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because he knows the day that you eat it, you'll actually be like him. He's, he's throwing shade at the character and the nature of who God is. But when your heart is anchored in the person of Jesus, when you know who he is and what he's about, when you know that he is not a man that would lie, but you know he's true to his word, you can be grounded in that. And if you don't get anything out of what I'm saying today, I want you to hear this. He is good. He is good. He is so much better than you ever imagined. He is good. Because most of my life, I didn't live like he was good. I lived like he was grumpy. I lived like he was upset at me. And I never lived receiving his love. I lived trying to earn his love. In other words, if I can do just a little bit more works, if I can just, okay, God, if I can fast more, God, if I can pray more, if I can read the word more, then you're going to love me. But, but, and I read the, this verse. How many read this verse where Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments? And I read it like this. It was like, if you love me. You will keep my, I don't know why I'm doing creepy, but I'm going to go creepy again today. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, love becomes the fuel for my faith. And when I receive it from God, I'm not living for his love. I'm living from his love. And living from his love gives me the courage to stand. It gives me the endurance to run. It gives me the faith to overcome. How many is thankful that God loves us exactly where we are? In our brokenness, in our sin, in our despair. He's not waiting on us to get better. He's on a, he died for us while we were still sinners. But because of his love, he leads us out. But in this, after the question of the character, but then something happens. It says, and there's a very poetic part of this story. It says that the storm arose. The storm arose. And anybody know what it's like? You remember being in school when there would be like two kids about to fight and one would stand up? And then the other one would stand up? It says the storm arose. You see this picture of the storm standing up. But then it says Jesus arose. Same Greek word, Jesus arose. And there's this picture of like every time there's a storm that rises against you, Jesus will rise up for you. 
Like, I don't care if you're Presbyterian, Catholic, Baptist, atheist. That's something to praise God for today, that Jesus will stand up for you when the storms rise up against you. When it's broken and it's falling apart, Jesus is still with you. And so this picture of Jesus standing up. There's been times in my life, y'all, where Jesus has had to stand up because I couldn't stand. There's been times that life has beat me down so bad that I felt like I couldn't make it another day, another moment. But Jesus stood up. When I went through the dark night of my soul and everything fell apart, lost my mom and my brother and cancer and all this stuff, y'all, it wasn't, it wasn't a Sunday school message I remembered. It wasn't a sermon I heard. It wasn't a song I like to sing. What got me through my dark night of the soul was the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit wrapping me in his love, in his presence, in his goodness, and to say, I'm here for you. And I know we talk about this, but y'all, there was a season that I could not walk myself that he had to carry me. He had to sustain me. In the process of all that, some who were at the conference, you know the story, but I lost my mom suddenly with cancer. I'm a mama's boy. My wife didn't take it well. She was best friends with my mom. Our marriage started struggling, and my kids were grieving and mourning, and we're still in the middle of a build-out of a Walmart building, and I've got millions of dollars that I'm responsible for. And I was at the point of a nervous breakdown. And, y'all, I could not do it myself. The Lord had to carry me. And I'm just going to say this. If you have already been through that season and you're still here, congratulations, you made it through. But there's some of you that's in it right now. And there's some of you that maybe you're not in it right now, but you're headed toward it, and there's something that's coming. But I'm going to tell you that God is so faithful, that he is so good, he is so true, he will not leave you. He's not going to walk away from you. He's not going to abandon you. If you can just trust and know that the God of Israel is fighting on your behalf and that he's not going to leave you, but he's going to go to bat for you, you can overcome anything that you face. I'm going to close with this, and I feel really led by the Holy Spirit to pray with some folks. It's interesting to me what woke Jesus up. Because you would think the storm would wake him up. You would think the waves crashing would wake him up. I mean, there's water getting in the boat. You would think that would wake him up. And I want you to get this. Your situation doesn't move God. Your need doesn't move God. Your drama doesn't move God. Your tears don't move God. Your faith moves God. What woke Jesus up was not the storm, it was their seeking. They began to call on the name of the Lord, and he rose. And I just want to tell some folks today, the most difficult storms there are are not the outright open storms. You feel some compassion from people. It's the secret storms that nobody sees. It's the depression cloud that's been following you most of your life that you don't talk about. It's the suicidal thoughts in the middle of the night when you feel like your world's falling apart or you're bored with it. It's those secret struggles of addiction to pornography that you're too ashamed to tell anybody about. It's carrying the guilt and the shame of things that you've done in your past. And you feel like you'll never be good enough. But I want you to get something today. You are not called to carry this thing out by yourself. 
You are not called to be God's lone ranger in your salvation story. Your salvation is personal, but it's not private. I want you to understand that he's called you to walk with people. Notice that in this storm, they weren't alone. Jesus was in the boat, but we forget they were in the boat together. I want to declare over you at the hill in Bolivar and as well as the other campuses that you guys are not alone. You're in the boat together. And I want to declare to you that if Jesus, think about this, if Jesus couldn't carry his cross alone, he had help. If Jesus needed someone to help him carry his cross, what in the world makes us think we can carry ours by ourselves? We're called to come alongside each other, to hold each other up, to love each other, and to finish this race and to get to the other side. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet all over the house this morning. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes where you are, just in reverence for this moment. I'm going to ask you two questions, and I'm going to leave today, and I don't know if you'll ever see me. But I do know you'll see Jesus. And Jesus is here right now, and he's asking a question through me his messenger the first thing is if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to be saved or maybe you've known him and you feel like you've you've walked away and you've broken fellowship and you just want to come home if you want to be saved or you want to come home I'm not going to embarrass you I won't pull you out just just slip your hand up right now and say hey I want to be saved or I want to come home I want to be saved or I want to come home thank you ma'am somebody else I want to be saved or I want to come home my second question is this. If you would say, hey, Pastor Jason, I've been in a storm. And I need Jesus to stand up on my behalf. I need Jesus to break into my brokenness. I need Jesus to bring peace. I need a miracle in my life. Again, won't embarrass you, won't pull you out. Just between you and the Lord, will you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the house. Hands all over the house. Can you put your hands together to celebrate those who gave their life to Jesus as well as those who are coming out of their storm?